Hey everybody, I'm Dr. Andy Rourke and this is the Uncharted Podcast. Guys, it's a huge week. This week on Friday, the price is going to increase for the Uncharted April Conference. It's a $300 price jump on Friday. Don't let that happen to you. There's not a lot of spots left, but you want one of them, so grab one. You tune into the podcast like every week or whenever you get time, and it's always helpful and you enjoy it and you go, I like that positivity. I like that philosophy of how to run a practice. I wish I had friends like those guys and the people that they talk about at Uncharted so that I could have an awesome, positive, uplifting, supportive friend group, and I could also learn stuff whenever I wanted. I know that that's what you're thinking. Make that a reality. Join the April Uncharted Conference. It's a marketing and strategy conference. It is in my hometown, Greenville, South Carolina. It is all about growth. That includes managing growth. If you're like, Andy, we've got business coming out of our ears, we can help you with that. We can help you uh, manage that growth and decide what you want your practice to be and how to help get there. So, April Uncharted Conference coming at you. Grab your spot before the price goes up and before it sells out. Now, let's get into this episode. And now, the Uncharted Podcast. And we are back. It's me and Stephanie. Put some respect on my check, Goss. <laughs> oh, I like that one. How's uh, it going, Andy? <laughs> it's good. How are you doing? I am good. I, I think good. I think we should tell the world about my newest goal that came from your dream. <laughs> I didn't know what my purpose on this world was until you told me about your dream. And now I have direction in my life. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> I'll tell them if you don't. <laughs> Stephanie Goss dreamed that there was a day in the life of Dr. Andy Rourke photo exhibit at the VMX conference in Orlando. Oh, and, my God. <laughs> and like, you she know. <laughs> desperately wanted to be the photographer. Who was featured? <laughs> and now, and now there is no pinnacle of success that I can imagine beyond a day in the life of Dr. Andy Rourke photo uh, exhibit shot by Stephanie Goss. Oh my God, I can't. <laughs> like, I don't I know how to make this happen. But the quest begins. I think that they say when you start having dreams about work, you're working too much, and it's time for a vacation. Maybe it's maybe it's time for me to have a vacation. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I think maybe you need a vacation. I think that's probably exactly what needs to happen at this point. Oh, my God. Oh. I, can't, I can't. I can't. Uh, <laughs> what, what does that say about me? Is what I, That's what I'm trying to process. This is what Stephanie's. <laughs> Subconscious says, <laughs> thinks of me as like, yep, day in the life of Dr. Andy Rourke. It says that we spend too much time together. And for anybody who for anybody who actually knows us, that um my part of part of what I love about um being at a conference with you is I actually love getting to see you interact with technicians and with support staff who get super excited. But one of the roles that I that I um consciously choose to be relegated to is to take pictures of you with everybody and uh 
but I am by no means a photographer. But for whatever reason, in my dream, I was like so amped up to beat out everybody else to be the one to uh, take the pictures for this day in the life exhibit. And I love the fact like, that in your mind, there's a competition to submit photos like that. That's the best part. <laughs> oh, God, it was no, but it was like a real it was real, like a real art gallery show. And I had seen, I had been apparently in a meeting with VMX and I had seen the pictures about the long hallways that usually have like all the banners and stuff. But instead, here's Andy's face, giant. Giant portraits of me. Oh me, uh, me looking pensive, um, trying to remember what exam room I'm supposed to go into. Yeah. Me, yes. me trying to... Try staring off into the like up into the horizon, going. I was supposed to write a medical record. What medical <laughs> record was I supposed to write? Those those are the type of of photos that we see. Oh my god! Oh man, let's 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 turn this back to something productive. <laughs> <laughs> okay, what the heck are we talking about today? Okay, so I think we've been talking because both of us have been getting um, a lot of similar questions. I think it's the time of the year where clinics are thinking about new vet contracts because there's lots of new grads coming on board and um, a lot of clinics that are set up on annual contract renewals are hitting that point in time at the beginning of the year. And so we've been seeing and getting a lot of questions both in the Uncharted community and I think to you and I, um, separately and privately, a lot of questions about um, some issues regarding salary and um, compensation, particularly when compensation is tied in some way to production, whether it's pro sal or base plus production um, or production pay. And so I think we wanted to talk about two of the like really common things that we have been seeing and hearing a lot, which have to do with taking time off and taking vacation. Um, and then with um, doing other things in the clinic, like vets who are involved in helping with staff training or social media in their practice or those kind of things, how how does that work um, when they're paid on production and they need to be in the exam room to produce, but they want to do those things and um, vacation ties to it for the very same reason. Yeah. The questions that I've been hearing are, hey, Andy. I have a vet who gets paid on production or paid production plus base salary, and I can't get them to take vacation. They haven't taken a day of vacation in three years, and I can't get them to. Or, hey, Andy, I got a vet that's getting paid uh, partially on production, or they got a bonus structure, and they want extra pay to go on vacation because they say that they're taking a financial hit if they go on vacation because they're not in the exam room producing. And they want me to make up the financial hit that they're going to take to go on vacation. And I can't get my head around this. Am I, am I out of my mind? Right. Am I off base here? The other question that I hear is somebody says, hey, Andy, I've got this great vet and they don't want to do anything that they're not getting extra compensation for. So they're on ProSal or they're on production and I want them to help us with our website and they want more money to do it and I, I that it's just it and they stumble at this point and they're like it's it's just part of the job like there's some things you have right. to do that don't involve working the exam room am i wrong here am i am i out of my mind yeah. and so 
to me, those, those are, those questions feel very similar because they're based around, there's a doctor who's being compensated for their exam room work and they want more money to do other things, including go on vacation. And right. so this may, if you have not ever had these interactions, this whole conversation may sound bonkers when we lay it out like this, but it is absolutely true and it happens all the time. And it's more of a valid conversation than people think. And so yep. I don't, I get the questions are generally from the management asking the questions. I do not want people to think that we're dismissing the associate vets out of hand because there is some validity to what they're saying. And I, I want to talk through that. So let's unpack this. The first thing we got to do is define some terms. Steph, can you walk us through pro sale and production-based compensation just as we need to understand it for this discussion? Yeah, totally. So um, I think there there are generally three basic variations on paying vets that people are familiar with. One is you're going to pay them a straight salary, whether you're doing it as an hourly rate, a day rate, a yearly salary. You're giving them a set amount of money and saying, here's the job. This is what you're going to do the job for. Okay. Everybody wraps their brain around that pretty easily. At the other end of the scale, you've got production only pay, which is to say, I'm going to pay you a certain percentage of everything that you produce and that's it. There's no guarantee. So if you work, you get paid. If you don't work, you don't get paid. And then in the middle is this whole wide range of varying um, types of base salary where you're getting some sort of guarantee or some sort of um, some sort of safety net. Yeah, and, reliable income. Like you, right? It's not if it's not if pet owners don't come in, you literally don't get a paycheck. Right. It's, it's getting, not that like you can count yeah. on getting a paycheck. Um, yes. And right. everybody does it a little bit differently, which is my hesitation because there's so many different ways to do production type um, pay when you also have some sort of salary, but there's some sort of regular income happening there. And then in addition to that, you're getting paid a bonus of some sort based on the work that you're producing in the exam room. So some percentage of that. And um, like I said, every every clinic does it differently. There's the true um, true original pro style concept, which is that you get paid. Um, a, there is a specified amount of money that you are going to be guaranteed in a year, and you get a certain percentage of that every month, usually in the first check of the month, and then in the second check of the month, you get the balance of what you've produced. So if you produce a whole bunch of money. Your second check could be ten thousand dollars. If you don't produce a lot of money in that month, your check could be zero or ten dollars. You're getting a certain reliable amount the first check of every month for all twelve months, and then at the end of the year, if you have outproduced that guaranteed amount, so let's say you decided on a, a base salary of a hundred thousand dollars, if you have outproduced that and been paid more than a hundred thousand dollars, then you're square, and everything you earned on top of that is gravy. If you haven't produced that $100,000, then the clinic is going to pay you that difference. That, in a very, very simple frame, is true pro-sal. Then there are clinics that use a guaranteed base plus production. Um, and so it gets a little bit tricky depending on how your clinic has things set up. They all work similarly, and that kind of falls there in the middle. Yeah, the way that I most commonly see this, and the way that I've uh, been compensated in the past is I get a regular paycheck that's coming in. And then every quarter, the practice looks at 
my invoices, things that have been tied to my recommendations, things like that. And then they figure out what 22 or 25%, whatever your agreement is. It's generally somewhere between 20 and 23%, something like that usually. Um, they look at that. And if that number, 23% of what I produced, is bigger than what I've been paid in salary, then they give me the difference. And they yeah. say, here's your bonus. And and that's that's most often how that has worked w- with me in the past. So when yeah. we say base plus production, or when we say for the purposes of this conversation, if we say pro sale, know that that's what we're talking about. And like I said, yeah. people, people get really into the details that they're beyond the scope of our discussion today. And so I think, I think a, a big important part of the middle discussion, why there's so many differences is because it does take management from a business perspective, because it takes someone in the practice, whether it's me as the practice manager or the practice owner, sitting down on a, on a monthly, quarterly, yearly basis and figuring out what did you actually do and how do I have to pay you for that? So <laughs> every clinic sets that up differently based on what their capacity is and what they can handle. So there, there's a million different ways to to figure that out. But yeah, you're uh, you're 100% right. And the most common ways of doing that are monthly, quarterly, or yearly. Yeah. Okay. So how does this conflict happen? What is the conflict really? Like, where does it come from? How does this happen? Okay. Let's start with why people use a base plus production. Okay. So so let me so let me let me just lay that out. For uh, people who maybe this is this is all new or something, the first time they're thinking about it. All right, I did an externship when I was in vet school, and I went to this hospital. It was a really successful hospital, and they had uh, five vets, I think. And um, they and I, I was talking to the owner, and he was a really good mentor for me, and he really really great guy. And um, I said to him, "How do how do you pay your doctors?" And he said, "Oh, we do base plus production." And I, and I asked him, I was like, well, what, you do that instead of salary or, you know, why do you, why do you kind of do that? And he said, you know, look, we've done it both ways. And I paid him on salary and I paid him on, on production or, or base bus production. He said, when I pay him on salary at five o'clock in the afternoon, I have to come into the doctor's office and chase the doctors out of the office and get them to go into the exam rooms. And when I pay them on production, I don't have to go in there and chase them out to see the appointments at the end of the day. And so I pay them with production. And that's always stuck with me because I think that he put his finger exactly on what most of us see, right? So if you have doctors, and again, let me just be real clear here. I'm not endorsing this over salary. I'm really being in Switzerland here. Um, If you pay people on salary, there's really not much benefit for them selfishly, like personally, to stay late, right? You don't want to take the appointment that's going to go an hour past close because you get compensated exactly the same and you want to mm-hmm. go home. Like mm-hmm. you want to go home. Like that. that's it. The way that you're compensated benefits the person who gets out on time mm-hmm. and not the person who stays late and puts in the extra hours. Like that's yeah. just not saying that people shouldn't do it, you know, like, but I hope that makes clear just selfishly. When you look at what is the strict yeah. benefit, I want to go home, right? If you have people who get paid on production, then at least there's a direct and immediate benefit to that person staying and doing that work. I might get stuck with the appointment that walks in one minute before we throw the bolt lock on the front door. Mm-hmm. But that also means I'm seeing one more appointment today. And when we come around to the end of the quarter, I will get some benefit from falling on this grenade, right? Sure. Of, of doing this thing. 
And that feels fair to a lot of people, right? It feels fair to me as a doctor because I don't feel like, oh, everybody else escaped and I got stuck staying late. At least I can say I got compensated for the work that I did. It also feels fair when you have doctors that really hustle and you say they're getting rewarded for hustling. They work hard. They're uh, following up. They're communicating with their clients. They're really pushing to provide service. Mm -hmm. And you don't worry about case dodgers. Case dodgers get what's coming to them. If people dodge cases and they don't go in rooms, then that's fine because they're not going to reap the benefits of that. And that means the hard worker sees more cases and gets uh, more benefits for their hard work. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that's, Mm -hmm. That's the justification for a, pr- a production-driven system. And I think that's why we see it a lot. The downside with production-driven systems is this. So we, as simple animals, see production as a game. And any sort of production-based compensation promotes gamesmanship. It's just the way that we're made. Once somebody right. makes a game and says, if you do this then you'll get this. Our human brain immediately starts working in the background to figure out what is the better way to do that? Is there a more efficient way to do that? Is there a way that I can do that while not actually being present in the building? Like those are the thoughts that our brain starts to have. They just, it just is. Yeah. Okay. So, so where I just told you the, the benefits of the production compensation and why people like it. Let me tell you where it can go wrong. Where it goes wrong is when people uh, really look at that production and say, that's how I'm going to make a living. And it promotes gamesmanship. So you'll start to see some negative behavior sometimes when people are overly motivated by these bonuses. Uh, Worst case scenario is your clients start getting treated like they're dealing with a salesman or saleswoman, right? Who's paid on commission. And if you've ever dealt with a salesperson paid on commission, you know that that's not a good experience and that's not what you want. If, um, you know, we could push this really far and say some people start to upsell things and do right. things like that, that it's not ethical and we don't want that. And I always think about how do I want my mother to be treated when she goes to her vet, yeah. right? Like that's, that's a big thing for me. And I don't want my mom upsold on a bunch of junk, right. like, or, you know, or things that aren't necessary. And so some people go too go too far with that and they feel that pull. You can start getting problems like deal making where certain vets make deals with the front desk and those two or three dog wellness exams where they're all getting senior blood work and they're all due for dentistries. And mom has said on the phone, I think they're due for dentistries. We're probably going to book those when we come in and they're all getting their preventives and they're all getting their uh, wellness vaccines and everything. And this is going to be an easy appointment. That's going to have a high price tag and then lead to dental cleanings and things like that. Those tend to go to a certain veterinarian who maybe treats the front desk a certain way or has some kind of an agreement with the front desk. And that's dirty stuff. Um, but but I have absolutely seen that stuff. You don't see that stuff when people are paid on salary, right? You, you just don't see it, but it does it can be tied to production. You see your um your case thieves and your case hawks. And so your case thieves are people who take cases that are supposed to come to another doctor or mm-hmm. they uh, the pet owner knows that doctor yet somehow this other doctor gets into the room and takes that case um, even though the pet owner wasn't expecting to see them. The case hawks are the ones who just sit back 
and they sit in the hallway behind the appointment, uh, behind the exam rooms, and they just wait for a door to open and anything that's not clearly intended for another doctor, they grab it and bang, 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 bang. And they get so much of the business and the other doctors are kind of sitting back and twiddling their thumbs because this one person is just being aggressive and just grabbing all the stuff or even grabbing stuff they're not ready to see. And those are bad habits, but I, I've seen that stuff with production. We can all see how that would happen, right? Here's, here's the takeaway. When we tie income to seeing, uh, to a certain behavior, in this case, seeing appointments and working up cases. Sure. Gamesmanship is a factor. People mm-hmm. start figuring out how to get ahead, how to get more, and they really drill into that game. And what where this becomes a problem is that people lose sight of what we're really trying to do, which is take great care of pets and people, grow our staff, protect our staff, take care of our staff, build a great culture, have a great place to work. All those things, all those things can fall away if we become fixated on a scarcity mentality. It's about me and me making a living and I need to see these appointments and that's all that matters because that's the whole game and everything else is superfluous to me. And that's where we get into trouble. And I think even if it's, even if the environment of gamesmanship as you just described it in terms of like trying to out, trying to best your colleagues isn't present in a practice. Like I've worked in practices where the doctors there, none of that behavior exists amongst the doctors and they all get along. They're still, when they are tied to compensation is, Um, On the flip side of that, the concern about um, themselves in the sense of like, I I have to work more. I have to stay and see these cases because otherwise I'm not going to make as much. I can't take time off. I can't do those things. And it's a it's a very different um, it's a very different con, but it still exists, I think, because you are tying production to what they're doing in the exam room. And there is very much the sense of if I'm not in the exam room, I cannot produce and therefore X, Y, and Z then is going to impact me. And so I think those, both of those two pieces are really important to discuss when we're talking about that middle ground in terms of how we're paying them. True. I, yeah, and I just want to be clear. I don't tend to see those behaviors that I laid out like those. That is the far negative reaches of how that production compensation can manifest. Right. I've there are some toxic places. That stuff is really true. You, mm-hmm. you, the reason I lay it out is that's an extreme that I just want people to get their heads around. Like, how can paying on production ultimately drive behavior in a negative way? And by showing an extreme, I think people kind of get that. Sure. Mm-hmm. Most commonly what happens is when I lay out those things, people go, oh, I've seen glimpses of that. Mm-hmm. Or I yeah. see how you could get there. And, yeah. and, and so anyway, that, that's why I put it out. Not because that's a common thing. And I don't want people to think that, that I'm saying right. that's what's going to happen. It, it yeah. generally doesn't. But just that innate drive is important to understand where people's heads are. And so, so how does the conflict arise that, w- that we originally asked about? The doctor wants to get paid to go on vacation or they won't go on vacation or they won't do things like help out with the website, write for the blog or do staff training, things like that. I, th- I think that what generally ha- what can easily happen is this. We talk to doctors and say, um, we are going to give you a base salary and you have the potential to earn a bonus 
if you work really hard. And we do it because we say, I don't want you to get taken advantage of or feel taken advantage of. If, mm-hmm. if, if we're slam busy and you're working all the time, I want you to feel like it's okay and you're right. seeing benefits to being so busy. If you stay late at night, I want you to feel like you're benefiting from, from staying late at night and not being taken advantage of. Like it comes from a great place. And so we want you to have a salary and a potential to earn a bonus if things go well and and you work hard and things like that. What, where we start to get in trouble, I think is when people's thoughts flip and they don't see as base salary plus potential for a bonus. They see it as straight production with a safety net. Yes. Right. And when I, when my brain flips over that way and I go, I make X percentage of what I produce and I do have a safety net, so I don't have to worry about it getting real slow. But for the most part, what I earn is production. That's a big mental flip that happens. And now we're into the problems I laid out before of production, production, production. I have to earn in the exam room to make a living and nothing else matters. Yes. I, you just, you just totally hit it squarely on the head for me in a way that I have had never thought about before, but that is exactly when those um, thoughts and behaviors and conversations, every time I've had them with associate vets, when that shift has happened, that is why it has happened. And I never thought about it that way, but it is very true that if you think about it as here's what I'm going to pay you. And I want you to have the opportunity to earn more, which is how I've always approached it as a manager. And every conversation that has um, been not positive when it comes to salary with veterinarians that I've had in my career has come from the place of, I should be making this much of my production and therefore I can't do X, Y, and Z. And I never, I never thought about it that way, but it totally makes sense. That that's, that's a real thing for me. It's a subtle thing about having this type of conversation in your practice. Just the language that, that, that I like to use and like to hear as a doctor is talk to me about salary. We pay our doctors on salary with a bonus potential. Yeah. And that just, and that just, it's a, it's subtle messaging, but if you consistently communicate that way, you're sending the message that you are a salaried employee and there are requirements, there are expectations for that Mm -hmm. salary. Mm -hmm. And you do have the potential to earn a bonus. And we do that so that you make sure you're not feeling taken advantage of. And and it's just uh, to reward you for working hard, but you are a salaried employee. And by having that continual conversation and wording, just keep, just keep bringing people back to the idea of you're on a salary. There are Mm -hmm. expectations that go with that salary. You do have the potential to earn a bonus, but salary, salary, salary. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so it's subtle, but it's super important, but that is the mental shift. That is, mm-hmm. that is the, the flip where we enter into trouble is do yourself, do you see yourself as a salaried employee has the potential to earn a bonus? Or do you see yourself as a straight production employee who has a safety net that doesn't really matter because you always make your bonus. And so that safety net really doesn't reflect anything about you yeah i love it that's that's how do do we approach the conversation like how do how do where do you even start with with all of this okay cool um the the way the way that we start with it is uh to first thing is step back right 
get get into the headspace. And so we're, we're going to do our headspace trick. So mm-hmm. am I safe to have this conversation with the vet? The vet is sort of saying, hey, I need to get paid to go on vacation, or I'm just not going to go on vacation, or, um, hey, I know you want me to work with the staff to raise their um, knowledge of dentistry or nutrition mm-hmm. or whatever. But look, I don't get paid for that. And so I don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. Okay. We have to get in the right headspace. So uh, safe headspace. S, can I smile at this person, right? Am I, if, if someone has just told me, hey, I don't get paid for that, I'm not going to do it. My, uh, my <laughs> instinct, you know what's coming. I'm reaching under the desk. Flaming sword of justice. The flaming, raging sword of justice. <laughs> what do you mean that's not your job? You know? Insubordination <laughs> is the word. And the flaming, raging sword of justice leaps into my hand. That's bad. That's bad, right? You can be righteous or effective. (laughs) Choose one. I'm going to choose to be effective, which may mean I'm going to sit on this for a couple of days. Uh I'm going to say, oh, oh, well, okay. All right. That's not what I expected you to say. All right. Okay. Um, Sounds good. And I'm going to let it go. And people right now are losing their mind going, what do you mean you're going to say sounds good? And walk away. If I am totally about to lose my mind and I feel the rage coming up, the best thing I can do is be like, oh, I didn't stop what I expected you to say. Let me, I need to process that. And that's what I like to say. I need, I need to meditate on this. I need to process that. And I leave and I leave because otherwise it's going to go down. And that's not good for anybody. It's like, I just going to go sit in my office and close the door. (laughs) Cleansing this. My my team my team has learned that I'm probably gonna go put myself on timeout and walk away from something when I say I need to marinate on this for a minute. And <laughs> when I say that to one of them, it's kind of unintentionally be- they know that I've hit that point where the flaming sort of justice is about to come out. And I I, I we affectionately say, "Oh, Stephanie's gonna put herself on timeout now," and I. <laughs> walk away and I go in my office and close the door or I will actually walk out of the building and I'm like just let's just take a deep cleansing breath right now even if I'm not worked up sometimes it catches you off guard my favorite is when um an associate I'll be like walking through the clinic and they'll say oh hey can I talk to you for a second and then I'll say well yeah let's what what do you want to talk about and they're like oh you mean right now and then they kind of pull you weirdly awkwardly off the floor and say hey can we have this conversation and I'm like yeah, I, I, this is not the time or the place for them or for me. So I'm going to marinate on that for a minute and let's set up a time to actually sit down and have this conversation. I think that's really important because it doesn't do it justice to have those conversations if you're not in the space where you can look at them and smile at them in the face or where there isn't time to actually sit down and think through what is being discussed. Just, I picture the new person in your practice saying to the regular text, oh, she said she had to marinate on it. And the other text, their eyes get wide and they're like, she said what? <laughs> and the new text like, yeah, she, she's, she's, she, she lit some lavender candles and went into her office. <laughs> like they're like, oh crap, everybody's getting fired. <laughs> she, she's actually taking a bath in grooming. Does she do that? Like a hot bath in the grooming? Is that a thing that she does? Everyone's like, we're going home early. Um, okay. So, yeah. <laughs> All right. S. <laughs> That's a long way to go for S. S. Safe conversation. S. 
can I smile at this person? Like, I need to get away some deep breaths, right? I, 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 if, if the flaming raging sword of justice is in my hand, it's not the time to have a conversation with my doctor who right. I need to keep and keep productive. Okay. Right. So yes, I'm safe to have this conversation. I can smile at this person. I can sit next to them. I can, I can chuckle uh, about this. This is not going to be a, uh, I'm not, I'm not triggered at this point. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, um, a, am I assuming good intent? Okay. And again, what happens is the doctor says, I need to get more, paid more money for that. Whenever there's a money conversation, here's the danger with money. The danger with money is that it is the definition of scarce resource, right? Yeah. There is a limited, um, there's a certain quantified amount of money that exists. And if you get more, that means I get less. And if I get more, then you get less. And if we both get more, then the technicians get less, Mm -hmm. right? And if the techs get more, then the doctors get less. And, like, that's the immediate way that people's minds go because it is a a limited resource, okay? Sure. That's why it's so dangerous. I need to step away from that because that is true about money, right? There's only so much money. Sure. But money is not the only thing that we care about, right? right? And there's a lot of other things we care about. And when I incorporate money into other things, well, now we have a much bigger pie. Mm-hmm. And we can really talk about what do we want our lives to be like? And money is a piece of that. And so maybe if you get more money and I'll get less money, but maybe there's other things that I get that I'm really happy about as well. And now, see, you know what I mean? It doesn't feel, you don't feel that scarcity around your neck. Right. And so... We really want to be careful about getting locked into money, money, money specifically. We pay attention to money. Money is important. we got to run profitable practices. But at the same time, if that's the only metric that we're looking at, we are at a high risk of nasty conflict. And so we got to be able to open that conversation up. Assume good intent. I don't know what's going on with this veterinarian. This vet may be in dire straits. I don't know what kind of student debt she's got. I don't mm-hmm. know how things are going with her husband uh, or with his wife. I don't know. You know what I mean? Maybe they're having medical issues that I don't know about. Uh, who who knows mm-hmm. why this is coming up? Uh, what you know? I'm not going to do that unless I get paid for it. What if what if this person is really in financial trouble? Like I, I don't I don't know what is going on in their life that would make them say that. If that especially if that's not what they would usually say, mm-hmm. okay. So uh, assume good intent. This person, why won't this person take a vacation? Well, maybe it's because they um, maybe it's because they don't want to leave their patients and they've got a real strong commitment to the patients in the practice. We need to help mm-hmm. them with that. That's not a healthy behavior. But maybe they don't want to be away from their their patients and their clients. Maybe they don't want to be out of touch from their clients. You know, maybe um, maybe they're maybe they really are stressed about the income, or they have other things, or you know, maybe maybe this debt or medical issues or bills or whatever, or their spouse's employment status. Maybe those things are really weighing on them. I I don't I don't know what this person is facing. So let's just assume that they are trying to do something good or they have reasons for behaving this way. Not that they're a greedy, nasty person who doesn't care about anyone and is a hundred percent selfish. Like that's an easy headspace to go to reject that headspace. Everyone's fighting a battle. We don't know anything about assume good intent. This person is trying their best. They have needs. I don't understand, or I don't know about, Mm -hmm. we're going to talk about this. But they're not a villain. They are exhibiting a behavior that I don't understand and I, I don't like, to be honest. But mm-hmm. they're not a villain. 
and they're not trying to run us out of business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that I think that part is is really important, and it's one of the ones that in the moment is hard. I know for me, and maybe it's human nature, maybe it's just me, but I know that that's one sometimes that I have to struggle with because I think human nature is that our little caveman brains flip to this person is trying to harm me. And it's, it's hard sometimes to reel yourself back and think, I know this person, I care about this person. I know that, I know that this is out of the ordinary for them, or even just this seems a little bit unusual, even if it's not completely out of character, I want more information. And sometimes it's hard in the moment to, to get to that place. But I think that is really, really important, especially when you're going to have a conversation about money and about something that is so personal to people. It's very important to be able to assume good intent in the conversation. I think that's why the S and the A tie so tightly together, right? If I'm not safe to have this conversation, right? If I can't smile at this person, if I can't get into a, a, a non-triggered space, then I can't assume good intent. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like I cannot be triggered uh, in a righteous rage and assume good intent about the other person. Yeah. You know, I, I can't. All right. So F, so we've done S and A, F, has this person been set up to fail? What here is my fault, conceivably? Like, what could possibly be my fault? Have they been set up to fail? What here is my my fault? Generally, in these conversations, and they say, "Well, I don't, I don't get paid for that, or I need more compensation for that." How have they been set up to fail? Um, number one, this is pro- this could be, and often is, a failure of expectations. So what happens is, I bring the doctor in at the beginning, and they say. Andy, I'm super psyched to work with you. And I go, great, I'm super psyched to work with you. How about this? I'll give you 22% of what you produce and pay you a base salary. And that's what we'll do. And they go, great. They have no idea what I expect from them. Yeah. And and I have no idea what they expect from me. We just did not do that. And so when I told them that, they went away and said, great. Uh, I clearly see that what I produce in the exam room is important because that is what Andy is paying me based on. Nothing else was explained to me. There was no <laughs> expectation that I would train the staff. There is no expectation that I'll write blogs. There is no expectation that I will uh, put on community education events. There is no expectation I will come in on my day off for doctor's meetings. There is no expectation of any of these things. And I'm not saying veterinarians should do any of those things. I'm saying that the veterinarian and management should lay everything on the table and discuss yeah. what the expectations are, and everybody should know what it is, and then we should all be good about it. Like, that's what I'm talking about. Well, and this is where, you know, normally my response to you is, what does your handbook say? And I think this applies there, too, because this is an area where we often fail our veterinarians, because we don't, we have a handbook, and we apply it to the staff, but in a lot of practices, they don't apply the same handbook standards to the veterinarians. There, there's a different set of standards for them. And just like there's a different set of standards and the ha- handbook doesn't get applied. The other question that I, the first question that I often ask when I'm having this conversation with, particularly with other managers or practice owners is, what does your job description say? And most of them will be like, well, what do I need a job description for a vet for? Exactly. And, and it, my head just explodes every time we have that conversation because the reality is, you absolutely need a job description for your associate veterinarians and you have to, because you have to have thought through those things. The job of veterinarian is not 
just I examine patients and I'm done. You have expectations for writing your charts, for communicating with clients, making callbacks, follow-ups. What are they going to do if they're off? What are they going to do if they're on vacation? Who's going to follow those cases? You should have thought through all of those things. And then some, you need to think about all of the other things within your practice that fit in the the confines of your team, your practice, your building. What are the other pieces of that that truly define a job? And your veterinarians absolutely need a job description so that they know what they're getting into so that they know the rules of the game before they sit down to play. Exactly. When you don't have a job description for vets. Yes, I've heard that exact same thing. What do we need a job <laughs> description for vets for? Everybody knows what vets do. And I'm like, oh crap. If, <laughs> if you don't need a job description because you know what vets do and in your mind, that's see appointments right. and they take the job being compensated for the appointments they see. And in their mind, their job is seeing appointments. Right. When you guys have conflict because you want them to do things that are not seeing appointments, even though that is what you both imagined their job to be, that's on you. It's your fault that they're not training the staff or that they're not coming to doctor meetings on their day off or that they're not uh, helping you write blog posts or make a podcast or do a YouTube channel for your practice. Like whatever the thing is that you're asking them to do, that was a failure of expectations and you guys have not worked these things out. And let me, let me be gentle and forgiving here and come through and say, this is a living relationship. Mm -hmm. And anyone who's been in a long-term relationship knows that you can never anticipate what, uh, you know, of, failures of expectations are going to occur. You can never anticipate what you're going to ask of a person down the road or what they're going to ask of you or what their circumstances are going to be or what your circumstances are going to be or how they choose to act. You just can't. And so forgive yourself. First of all, if you're in the spot, just forgive yourself. Mm-hmm. But what we need to do as contract season comes around is to go back mm-hmm. to the table with the veterinarian and say, Let's talk about what your expectations are for us and what our expectations are for you. And let's lay these things down. And generally, people who have problems with doctors not coming to the doctor meetings or the staff meetings or not participating or not leading, generally, they have that's a new problem and it has come up. And you right. and I say to them, well, what's in their contract or what's in the, in the handbook? And do mm-hmm. they know that they're following the handbook? And mm-hmm. the person goes, no, 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 we don't have that stuff. That's fine. But we need to go get that stuff. Right. And so when we sit back Mm -hmm. down, it's time to bring those things into play and say, these are the things that we would like to have happen or that we need to have happen. Yeah. Yeah. So don't beat yourself up if you don't have this, I guess. But a lot of this conflict comes from the fact that those expectations were not laid down and the doctor sees him or herself as an exam room production engine exclusively. Mm Yeah. So. So. That makes sense. So um, we got through S, A, and F. What what comes what comes next? What's our what's our E? What's the end result? What what do I want this person to do? Mm-hmm. Do I want them to do the staff meetings? You know, do I want them to right. like what what am I trying to accomplish here? Is mm-hmm. it really about the website content, or is it about participating in the practice as a whole? Sometimes mm-hmm. people get real upset about the blog post. 
But it's not really about the blog post. It's about a lack of participation in other things or not feeling or showing any ownership in the practice. What is this really about? And I want to figure that out before I go talk to this doctor because I don't want to go talk to the doctor and then a week later uh, the behavior manifests itself in a different way and I'm back with my flaming raging sword of justice. And they're like, you told me, you know, this thing, I wrote your blog. What do you want from me? Well, it wasn't really about the blog. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. And it ties, it ties directly back to what we were just talking about, which is it's okay if you don't have those things, but if you don't have clear expectations, um, because there's two ways the conversation could go. Either you thought you had clear expectations and the doctor had no idea what those expectations were. And this is a miscommunication issue, or there actually was no clear communications. You didn't have job description. You didn't have that conversation. And now you have created an opportunity to actually sit down and have that conversation and do that, those things, plan it out, figure out what you want, which makes total sense. Right. So, so I agree with that stuff. Okay. So let's fix this. Okay. We've got, um, we've got the doctor and they say, I want to get paid for vacation. And let me, let me be really clear because I don't know if we unpack this. Why do vets say they want to get paid for vacation? They say they want to get paid for vacation because they see their income as what they produce in the exam room. And if they're not in the exam room, then they're not producing income. And so they don't want to take a financial hit by going away. Right. And so what happens generally is they feel trapped. They're like, I really want a vacation. But, I mean, assume good intent. I can't afford to go, I can't afford this hit in my income. And right. so now I'm trapped never being able to take a vacation because I can't step away and not produce income for a week. Yeah. And so the idea that comes into their mind is my practice should support me in my wellness and they sure. should give me supplemental money so that I can afford to go on vacation so that I can be mentally taken care of. And again, not taking sides here. I'm just talking about what how this happens and how it goes and we can and stephanie's taking sides <laughs> she's, she's shaking with laughter and i see her being like what do you mean you're not taking sides uh i'm not taking sides here because i i mean you know I, I i can see it my i am going to do what i do which is say it's important that everybody agrees Right. It's important. Sure. I don't care what you do. and I'm not going to shame a practice says, yeah, we're going to pay our vets because we think this is important. And I'm not going to shame practices. Hell no. That, that's that dude. That's between you and your vets and where you are. And everybody's different. And there's a million different circumstances. So I'm not going to tell you what the right answer is, but I'm going to tell you we need to get on the same page. Everybody needs to understand. So anyway, that's let's take that. They right. uh, they want to get paid for vacation. Uh -huh. And let's say that we are not okay with that. We say that we pay them. Here's the other thing that happens, right? Oftentimes when we do like a bonus uh, uh, arrangement, right? Whether it's production or, or some bonus, however you think about it. Oftentimes our practice is paying the veterinarian as much as we can afford to pay the veterinarian. Sure. Like they are getting what we have to give to them. Right. And everybody's got budgets and say, this right. is what we can afford yeah. to pay to you while still keeping the lights on, paying the lease, paying the support staff, underpaying the support staff. Probably, you know, they should they yeah. should make the money. You know, so we have a lot of obligations to meet. We told you what we could afford to pay you. 
And now you want more money to go on vacation so that we can also hire a relief vet while you're gone. Right. And, and it just, we just can't do it. Right. A hundred percent. And that's, that's why, that's why I was laughing. And I clearly was taking sides because there is absolutely a business component to this. And I think that that is, it's, it's really important that the veterinarians understand now, that doesn't mean that it's their problem. It is still your problem as a business owner to solve. Um, and the reality may be that you're solving it by paying your veterinarians um, what you can afford as a business. And there may be a gap between what you can afford as a business and what they think that they should be getting paid. That's that's a whole other problem. But the reality is from, from a business perspective, you absolutely have to look at um, what what can you afford the idea of paying someone who you're already paying a salary to um, to then go on vacation on top of that that's a that's a bad business move um, and so that's that's where I that's where I was that's where I was laughing because I I am I am one not to not to shame practices but to ask them have you really looked at it from the business perspective because I think that is important because at the end of the day if you can't remain profitable as business, you can't open your doors and then nobody has a job. Sure. So yeah, totally. But the devil's in the details too. Right. If you pay your doctors 20% production, right. Then, then maybe you're not paying them straight out the top amount that you, you know what I mean? Maybe you, you keep a pool of money back and say, this is for the doctors that I'm not giving it to them in salary. Right. In, instead, I'm going to do nice things for them. You know what I mean? Or at some point, the pie is what it is. And you say, this is how much money we make. And this is what's allocated for the doctor. I can give it all to them in salary straight up front and be like, this is the whole pie that I have for you. And here it is. Right. And that's not wrong at all. Or you could say, I'm going to give you 90% of the pie that I have allocated for you. And then I'm going to invest into health insurance for you. Right. Or, you know what I mean? Or... Right. Um, into a paid vacation program so mm -hmm. that you get this bump, you know, mm -hmm. when you go, there's a million ways, there's a million ways to right. do it. I, uh -huh. I think, I think most of us make the assumption that, that the business has said, this is what I can afford to pay you. This is my, this is the piece of the pie that I have allocated for you. Here it is. And then sure. when the vets come back and say, I need more money to help set up the open house. I need more money to go on vacation. I need more money to do whatever. That's wildly frustrating to the business owner because you say, I gave you all the money I have for you. Right. And now you're telling me you're not going to help us out. Like now you want more from us or you're not going to help us by training the staff yeah. unless I somehow come up with money for you that I don't have or that's not budgeted. Right. And that right. makes them feel very trapped, which is why you get the resentment on the management side. Sure. Sure. So let's fix it. Okay. So I think one of the first questions is like when, when and how do you try and have this conversation? I think trying to have it on the floor is not a good idea. Yeah, this, <laughs> these conversations often happen on the floor and they become uh, improvised. And it's, it's bad. It's a bad start. <laughs> I was I was not making that up when I said I've had that doctor who's like, oh hey, can I talk to you? Sure, yeah, let's talk. And then they want to like whip it out on the floor and have the whole conversation like that. That has happened. And I'm like, hmm, probably In not general, whipping it out on the floor is a bad idea. 
<laughs> probably not the best place to have this conversation. No, so, not at all. <laughs> I think I think you know one of the big questions is um, you know you don't. It should be obvious that you don't want to have the conversation necessarily publicly because you want to be able to discuss details with them that are are private, um, mm-hmm. particularly if you are in a clinic environment where, and most clinics are this way, where there is differences amongst the doctors, just like there's differences amongst how the staff is paid. If it is not standardized and your doctors do not all make the same percent and base and all of those things, absolutely do not have this conversation on the floor in front of other, in front of the other veterinarians for sure. Um, but I think a bigger, a bigger question is, do you have the conversation in the clinic or not? Do you take it off, off site? Do you, do you try and do it in the middle of the day while the phone is ringing and people are potentially knocking on the office door, asking about the patient that's in, you know, the ICU, how do you, how, when and how to have the conversation I think is a really important piece of it. I think that's wildly important. Right. And so Mm -hmm. honestly, guys, I, I'm not overstating this when I say that when and where you have this conversation is a huge, huge part of the outcome that you're going to achieve. Mm -hmm. I mean, I see people set themselves up to fail so hard here because they, they, they don't schedule a time or they don't set a time or they don't pick a time. And they're like, well, we'll have this conversation when it comes up. And then when is it going to come up? It's going to come up when the doctor's in a crappy mood and they're feeling taken advantage of and they're making passive aggressive barbs at you because they're tired, because they're hungry, because they have financial stress that you don't know about. And like the collections people are calling them, you know, and that's when it's going to come up. And you think you're going to have a productive conversation with them now? That's a terrible idea. Not going to happen. And so when and where we have this is really important. If they're trying to get in and see uh, an appointment and the tech is waiting outside the room for them, you are not going to be able to get them to open their mind and understand where you're coming from or see the bigger picture. Everything around them is driving them to see the itty bitty tiny laser focus picture, which is I need, I need, I need. And the clock is ticking. All of that works against you. And it is amazing how much of an impact this can have on your conversation. If you want to have this type of conversation and you're talking about money, you want to lower the stress and lower the stakes as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Right? You want to talk to this person. Um, you want to talk to this person when they're not scheduled to be there, honestly. And I know that they don't really want to come in, but you can justify it to and say, look, I really want to sit with you. I really want to go through this. We really want you to be happy. We really want to unpack everything with you and let's make this work, but it's going to take some time. And I don't want you pinned into appointments and I don't want to shortchange you on time. Again, making it about them. I want, I want to make sure that you get the time that you need and we can really work through this because this is really important to me. Yeah. Right. And so you can try to do it at the end of a shift, but you're kind of rolling the dice and, you know, you're going to be dealing with somebody who's at least hired and things like that. You can try to do it before a shift. But again, we've all been in meetings and then appointments start to show up and you know how that stress sort of ratchets up. But and we we don't want to do this over email. And so there's always this pressure of, look, we don't have time to do it. I'm just going to write down what I think they're going to write what they think. Whenever emotions are involved, get off email and get off text. And I was telling somebody this very recently. I just saw, I just, a week ago, I saw something stupid just blow up. 
and it blew up because people were communicating by text and everyone was uh, inferring the worst possible tone. You know what I mean? And like everyone was, can you believe she said, all right? Can you believe she said, all right? You just, (laughs) all right? Who says that? And you're like, don't understand what you're saying. Like, but in their mind, the, the word all right written in text was a slight. And a, and how dare you say all right to me? Right. I know how you said it. <laughs> and I'm like, this is this is nuts. This is nuts. Um, get off of text. Get off of email. If this is going to be an emotional, if there's emotions tied to this, do it face yeah. to face. Do it so you can read their body language. They can read yours, right? And, and it's just so much more information to be gathered by by doing this in person. So do it in person. Do it when they're rested. Do it when you're rested. Take it seriously. Try not to get pinched on time. You could do it at the office, especially if you're like, we need to have these resources here. I want to be able to show you some things. Um, it's It's private. That's fine. But pick a place and a time where you are not going to have external unrelated stresses on you or on them because this is delicate and you want to get it right. Mm-hmm. All right. I, I, First I, things that we want to do to get this conversation going. Okay. Um, I, I want to start. I, I always try and start from a place of... Um, our first two letters is smiling and assuming good intent. And I want them to know, I want to reinforce the relationship and the bond that we have. And so um, I usually want them to go first and I want to hear what they have to say. I want them to be heard. And so I usually just ask them, tell, tell me, tell me what you're feeling. Tell me, tell me what you need. What, what is important to you? And then I shut up and I listen to whatever it is that they have to present and really make an effort to actively listen. So I usually sit and take notes, even if they've already told me, even if I already know um, what their concern is. Um, For me, there's just something about actively uh, focusing on what they're saying and writing it down that helps me kind of, um, helps me really process and make sure that I am truly understanding what their concern is and where they're coming from. Because a lot of times, what they say initially that they need to talk about is not actually the the bigger issue. And by allowing them that time to talk, that's when I find out things like, um, you know, their, their partner is sick and they've been paying medical bills or mm-hmm. they are, you know, behind on their student loan payment and they're stressed out about money or those, those other things that, that make us human and that involve real life that when you stop and listen, that's often when I glean the most um, of that information and that information is super powerful for me to be able to try and help them as best that I can. I completely agree. So open-ended questions. Tell me about where your head's at. Mm-hmm. All right. Walk me through what you're thinking here. All right. Mm-hmm. Tell me about how you're feeling. All right. You know, ex- explain to me. So let's just start at the beginning. Explain where you're coming from and what you're looking for and, and kind of how you, how you got there and why you're feeling that way. And I give them a wide open invitation like that. And then 100% to your point, active listening, right? Take notes, um, you know, good eye contact, open body pot. Do not be on your phone. Get rid of your cell phone. Get rid of all that crap. Um, Just really give them your full time and and 
attention and energy. The questions that I like to add in is when they say something like, well, there's just not enough time. Um, yeah. And so there's just not enough time. You know how there's not enough time. I will say, I don't know. I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. Can you unpack that for me? Mm-hmm. What do you What do you mean when you say there's not enough time? Mm-hmm. Help Help me understand where you're coming from when you say that. I'm not I'm not sure that I follow. Can you Can you lay it out for me? Can you say that Can you say that different? Can you explain that differently? Because I, I I'm not sure I'm getting it. I want to make sure I understand what you're saying. And those are the types of ongoing questions that I ask. Can you un, un, unpack that more for me? I, I want to really understand that. Those are the questions that I use to to spur them to keep talking to really lay everything out for me. And again, yeah. active listening, making notes. And then when I get done, when they get done, I say, "Okay, I just want to make sure I understand what you're saying is." And then I say back to them exactly their points. Now, I don't say that I agree with them, right? But I also don't say that I don't agree with them. Right. But I say Okay, just make sure that I got this. What you're saying is this. And then tell them their argument, honestly, fairly, as accurately as you can. Tell them their argument back. And again, the point here is to make sure that they are heard. Number one, this is a mental exercise for me. Of right. Can I explain their argument? And if I can't right. explain their argument, then, that, then we're in trouble, right? Like, I need to understand their argument. Mm-hmm. And it also makes them very much feel heard. Mm-hmm. Okay, bam. And so now we've got the opening out of the way. They hopefully feel heard. I really understand what they're saying. And now it's my turn to present my side. And I'm going to mm-hmm. say, okay, let me explain kind of what we're looking at on the management side. And now, again, not in an aggressive way. I'm not going to say you do this or you do that. I'm going to talk about we and us and I and say, this is where we are. And when we figured out what doctor compensation would be, this was our thoughts. And this is kind of what we planned. Mm-hmm. And very much while I'm doing that, I really want to sprinkle in commonality, right? Again, I don't want to get into, you think you should earn X number of dollars and I think you should have Y dollars. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go ahead. I want to open this conversation up. I want to mm-hmm. talk about expectations with staff training. We want to talk about the importance of doctors taking breaks, uh, we want to talk about the the fact that we want you to go on vacation. It's important for you. We do have mm-hmm. this extra cost of a relief doctor coming in because the associate vet may not have even thought of that, or they don't right. they don't know and say this is a right. significant expense to us. And again, I'm not arguing with you here. I'm just laying down. These are the things that I am looking at, and you want this and I want this. Anything that they want and I also want. You want to go on vacation because you need to unwind and not burn out. I want you to go on vacation because I don't want you to burn out and you work really hard. I agree that you work hard and you really do give your all this practice. And we right. really are lucky to have you. Right. I'm going to say all those things only if they're true, but you know what I mean? Like right. validate mm-hmm. the heck out of this person. And, and if we can agree on all those things and the one thing we can, we can't agree on is compensation for you to go. We still mostly agree on everything. Mm-hmm. And I'm, you know, um, we factored in as much as we could pay to you. We factored that into your regular ongoing sal- and we factored in you being gone for two weeks and we have this other expense. And so that, right. that's, so how can we work this so that you can still get a 
break and recharge, you know, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe there are other creative ways that we can do this. I don't know, but, um, but that's really, that's really how I'm going to try to lay out commonality. And again, the more we have in common, the smaller this disagreement over the specifics really matters. I, I, I want to show them the big picture for the vet clinic, right? Where are we going again? The relief vet thing, God, we've, we've, we've got, you know, we've got some scheduling things we have to work out. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of, you know, there's a lot of things on our side from when you're gone that we have to handle. And that I'm not trying to get you to not go. I want you to go, but you need to understand what, what we're looking at. And then you could even bring in the other veterinarians. We start talking about compensation and things like that and say, Hey, you know, we've got four other veterinarians and, and we have the same agreements with them. And, you know, you can, you can really start to sort of make the world wider because a lot of times when we argue about money, we get so myopic. We're just like, you have yeah. this money and I need that money. And I need them to look around and be like, look at all the other stuff going on. And this is a piece of this larger thing. And I want you to be happy, but I have restrictions and I have challenges that, that maybe haven't been considered. And I need you to understand where I am. And now I understand where you are. Let's compromise. Let's figure this out. Or, or let's, you know, let's figure out other things that we could do to help you relax that uh where you can still go on vacation but i can't compensate you for it but maybe there's other things i can do to make your to make your day better no matter what reject the zero-sum game if you win i lose if i win you lose this right. has got to be a mutually beneficial problem-solving exercise yeah. let's figure out how you get what you need and i'll figure out how i get what i need and let's talk about that well, and I was going to say that when, when you're, um, when you're talking about what they need and you're talking about widening the lens and talking about the big picture, one of the things that has really helped me as a manager is, um, to be able to give them some of the concerns that I have, but come at it from a very solution driven place. So when I talk to them about the fact that we have an expense to employ relief vets. I approach it from the perspective of, I want to make sure that each of our veterinarians gets vacation. So what I have done is said, okay, we have four vets and they each get four weeks of vacation. That's 16 weeks a year that I'm going to cover. I've built into the budget 16 weeks of relief vet help. And so I want to make sure it is important to me that you guys get your vacation. And so I have planned for that. And I have I have set aside the money in the budget to pay for that, to make sure that it happens. I just want to make sure that you understand the complications that are associated with you then asking for four more weeks or whatever it is. Like I, I am telling them the reality of things from a business perspective with the practice. And I'm also asking them to, I'm also trying to continue that commonality and build that common ground. Cause I'm coming at it from a place of, I want to help you. Here's what I'm doing to try and help you because it softens that, um, that blow a little bit. If you, if the reason that you're stating that is because the answer is a no, and here's what I'm going to try and do to help because what they're still going to hear is no. And so I think that that has really served me well, because I think, um, what, what you said is also very true that a lot of times, um, whether it's associate veterinarians or team members, they don't, think about the bigger picture. It's not their job to think about the bigger picture. It is very much my job and a practice owner's job to think about the bigger picture all the time. And so sometimes we need help getting myopic because it's 
we, we focus too much on the big, whereas the opposite is usually the case for me in terms of working with the team. And so, um, I think that that has been something that's been super helpful for me in having some of these hard conversations. Cool. All right, ma'am. Have you got anything else on, um, on the compensation for veterinarians? Um, I think the other thing that is, that is super, super helpful for me in terms of the last thing you said, which was don't let it be a zero sum money game. Yeah. Um, the other thing that has really benefited me regardless of whether there's any issues that are being brought to the table or not, is that when I sit down to do contract renewals or sit down to um, have, have a regular touch point about contracts or in the very beginning, I get, um, I've been hearing this a lot because a lot of clinics are trying to, to negotiate with new vets right now and set up contracts for the new year. Um, I like to use a tool to look at, the total compensation picture. So we're not just talking about the salary, but we're thinking about all of the things that you and I have mentioned through the episode, things like the additional vacation, things like, you know, health benefits, that kind of stuff. The reality is all of that stuff impacts the total cost of the business to employ them as an employee. And again, that's where you as a business owner um, or business manager, think about it from the big picture frame. And often they're looking at it as I'm focused in on the the smaller piece of the salary. And so it's really easy to set up, um, (laughs) to set up a spreadsheet and, and, and look at that with them and just kind of walk them through. It doesn't have to be fancy. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, super difficult to understand, but walk them through. This is the financial impact of all of these other things. And so they can see the big picture when it comes to money, because you were 100% right when you said that um, every, different things are important to different people. And for some people, at the end of the day, the actual take-home money may be the most important thing. But for other veterinarians, their time off may be the most important thing. Mm-hmm. And so they're willing to give up some of that money to have more time off. And so having a tool and a mechanism for reviewing that with them has been one of the best tools that I have ever put in my management toolbox. Yeah, I love it. That totally makes sense. Cool. All right. Well, let's leave it with this. Um, The last thing that I'll say is production-based compensation. Like I said, I want to talk about salary with bonus as opposed to production with a safety net. And I want to live that and I want to reinforce that again and again. There are some people and some personality types where uh, some sort of a production compensation like this really brings out the worst in them. Mm-hmm. And and those people can be hard to manage in this system. Now, mm-hmm. at the same time, there are people who salary brings out the worst in them, which means they get on salary and it's extremely hard to motivate them and, right. you know, and get them to work. And so I'm not saying this system is uh, bad. I'm not saying that it's the best system for your practice. But it does require some management, and we just need to think it through about what it really means to everybody involved because it, it it has its pros and it has its cons. All right. Thanks a lot, Steph. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. This is a good one. I um, will talk to you soon. Talk to you later. Bye. Okay. Bye. And that is our episode. Guys, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you got something out of it. I hope it was a fun discussion for you. Hey, look, if you have questions, you can always email them to me and Stephanie. Just send them to podcast at unchartedvet.com. 
That's podcast at unchartedvet.com. Let us know what's on your mind, how we can help. Give us enough backstory so that we have the details to work with, and we'll see what we can do. Gang, until next week, take care, be well, bye-bye.